I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're focusing on mental health and you. We keep hearing references to mental health issues in every aspect of our daily lives, from our school children to A-list celebrities, even the mental health of some of the most powerful political leaders in the world has come under question about just what is the state of their mental health. So what's the difference between the common ups and downs of daily life and real mental health issues? Is mental health being used as an excuse in some cases that are just plain old bad behavior? What does it mean to be mentally healthy? Is there such a thing? We're going to find out right now from our panel. Joining me, Dr. Jeff Gardier. He's a clinical psychologist and professor at Truro College of Osteopathic Medicine, America's psychologist. Dr. Jeff, great to have you with us. Great to be with you all. Thank you so much. Also with us is Mary Almonte. She's the president and founder of Young Urban Moms and the mother of two herself. Mary, thank you so much for being with us. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Also joining us is Lorenzo Lewis. He is the founder of The Confess Project. They are bringing mental health support to thousands of men across the country through barbershops. And we're going to find out all about that and why he got involved in that in just a moment. But Dr. Jeff, please, can you just give us some definition here of what is mental health? We've been hearing this nonstop. Well, mental health, according to the World Health Organization, is the ability to be able to enjoy one's life, uh, to engage in social and occupational functioning, uh, and to have a balance uh, where one is able to realize what their goals are, who they truly are, and how they can move through life in a very positive way. And so that's the that's the ultimate goal. That is the ultimate goal. Uh, we we all have mental health challenges, uh, but if it's a situation of where we're able to get through those ups and downs uh, and are able to have that um, that homeostasis uh, where everything comes back to normal after some of these major issues that we go through. Uh, then that is still considered to be part of our mental wellness and our mental health. All of that goes into that particular package. Mary, what about mental health in terms of kids and raising kids and, and what you're hearing from the moms in your group? Well, first and foremost, I want to say after hearing Dr. Jeff's definition of mental health, I think that most not just mothers, but parents probably feel like they're not mentally healthy. Right. Um, it's a lot, right? Like, I think that in recent times, it's become way less, you know, taboo to admit to not being okay as a mom in particular. Um, I feel like historically, you know, the way that mothers are are presented in media and even in TV, right? Like in films, it's like they have to have it all together. And it's been really, you know, not socially acceptable to admit that you're not feeling okay. You're not right. feeling like yourself. You're not feeling like everything is under control. And I think that recently I've definitely been seeing an uptick among, you know, the group with young urban moms and just my group of peers of, of women and mothers um, where people are now starting to admit, like, I'm not happy, you know, like, I don't feel like I'm doing well. Um, every day is not rainbows and butterflies. So I do think, though, um, in light of COVID in the last two years, I think that it's really heightening now, right? Like now we're, we're kind of easing back into some new normal and it's really not easy for anybody, especially as leaders of families and as, you know, role models for young kids trying to help them find a new normal and then easing into a new normal ourselves is 
is not easy. No, and so. that's a great point because during the during the pandemic, it was like everything was focused, like let's get through this, let's survive, let's do what we can do. And then now all of these other issues are coming to the forefront. Lorenzo, you founded the Confess Project. You're taking mental health services to men in the barbershops. What made you want to do that? Well, you know, honestly, I, you know, I grew up in my aunt's beauty salon as a kid, and I like to call it village care. You know, when I when I went to her salon every day, you know, it was like walking in and, uh, you know, it was a bunch of conversation. You know, it was uh, women taking care of other women, and and, and the barbers that was there uh, was really like the anchor in that community, you know, in the local community here in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, it really sparked me because that same barber really was my first mentor. I looked at him like a father figure. Um, my, my aunt and them there, like I said, they, they fed folks who didn't have food. They let people use the phone. They didn't have a telephone and they even did people's hair for a little or nothing. They didn't have the money sometimes to me. That's what it looks like for taking care of our village and our community. Saying that to say, we also can do the same thing about supporting people that's maybe going through challenges in their emotional well-being. And so we know day, day in and day out, our barbers are seeing hundreds of people by the month. And so we know that in fact, they can be that same village and support their clients and their well-being to be in the best version of themselves. And in a very, in a very personal and comfortable way, letting them know we're here for you and there's help for you. Absolutely. Yes. All right. When we come back, how do you know if you're having a mental health crisis? What is a mental health crisis? We'll find out what our panel has to say when we come back. Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Sierra. And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, baby, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about mental health and you. We keep hearing about mental health over and over and over again in every aspect of our lives. What does it really mean? And what can you do for yourself to make sure that you are the best that you can be and feeling as good as possible? Joining us for this conversation, Dr. Jeff Gardier. He's a clinical psychologist and also a professor at Toro College of Osteopathic Medicine. Dr. Jeff, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Also with us is Mary Almonte. She is the president and founder of the group Young Urban Moms and a mother of two herself. Mary, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Also joining us is Lorenzo Lewis. He's the founder of the Confess Project. They're bringing mental health support to men around the country through barbershops. Lorenzo, thank you so much for being with us. Absolutely. It's a pleasure for sure. Thank you. Mary, what about in terms of mental health and women? Because we see, you know, you talk about moms, but let's just look at women in general. There's so many pressures. There's everything from, you know, body shaming and body image to, and then if you're a mom, it's like, are you raising your kids the right way? Or why are you doing this with your kids or not doing that with your kids? Tell us about those kind of stresses and pressures and, and what you're hearing. So where do I begin with that? Right. Um, <laughs> right. I think that, you know, throughout a female's life, right. Like even from, you know, the minute we hit adolescence, we, I think everyone can agree, um, are the recipients of unsolicited opinions and advice, right? Whether it's about our body, whether it's about our looks, whether it's about how we're carrying ourselves as young women. Then when you become a mother, that is, you know, exacerbated <laughs> times a trillion, right? Like there's tons of opinions. Um, you know, everyone has them in your family, then in your, you know, kids' schools. But what really has entered the equation recently that I think has made it just unbearable, honestly, is social media. Um, first of all, we're all feeling very pressured to look a certain way because of social media, right? Like most moms, and there's an episode of Young Urban Moms called The Snapback that talks specifically about this, where 
there are just such unrealistic images and depictions out there of women's snapback game, right? Like how you recover and recuperate after giving birth. And let's be right. real. Most people don't, you know, walk out of the hospital looking like they did before. And it's a long journey. Um, I mean, you know, like even celebrities these days are getting heckled. I believe just, you know, a couple of years back, Lauren London, you know, had just given birth and went to a, a basketball game and people were talking about her weight. And it's like, let's see how you look after you give birth. Right. right? Exactly. Like, everyone's a critic on social media. Then, of course, yes, there's, you know, how you parent. I, for one, definitely got uh, a lot of flack about when my daughter hit, you know, adolescence herself. Uh, she got a piercing. Everyone had something to say. Oh, she's wearing makeup. Um, you know, even just like songs that she would like TikTok to, it would be like, oh, you're letting her do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like every social media has made everything front and center and a stage. Right. But then there's also the, you know, comparison or keeping up with the Joneses elements of things. Right. Like, you know, this family is posting on vacation. So then you feel right, like with all okay. those with all those with all those pictures, Lorenzo. What what about the yep. what about what you're finding with the men? First of all, tell us how it works with the the barbers and and how you created this network. Give us an idea of how that works. Yeah, you know, um, it's you know, it really started from trust and relationships. You know, we we started off going into barbershops um, in our local areas here in Arkansas, and that led us to you know, taking a risk and going on the road and traveling to states like Kentucky and Mississippi and South Carolina. And we just noticed that there was a huge response of a lot of men hurting. Uh, we heard, heard the same stories of men going through similar challenges in their cities. And we knew that at that point, and I was able to see what we're now seeing in our crisis years before now because of just listening to people on the ground in states. Um, and so what, what we've been able to do is really say now, well, hey, uh, how do we give these barbers tools? How do we give them access to resources, to therapists? And that's what we're doing. We're training them on ways of how to listen, how to understand mental health stigma, how to reduce the stigma, and how to give folks to professional services and resources. I think that in itself has been a catapulting experience. And I think we're just grateful to continue to work. And just starting that conversation, Jeff, what do you, Dr. Jeff, what do you think about that? Uh, well, Lorenzo and I uh, have worked uh, together before, and I was just uh, really blown away because he follows a basic tenant, and Mary does the same thing with her group, meeting people where they are, right? It's not one size fits all, but looking at different ways that we can get them to open up. It doesn't have to necessarily be in a therapist's office. It, it doesn't have to get to the point of where there's a psychiatric um, uh, admission. It really is listening to people as to what their challenges are, not necessarily, and it doesn't have to be about a mental illness. It could be about the mental health challenges that we all go through day to day that keeps it from getting to a mental illness. And if you get there, that yes, that there are resources, we can train everyone around us, not counting on just counselors and therapists, but everyone who's in a position to be able to listen, to learn, to refer, to give information. And I just think it's absolutely awesome. By the way, I use the word awesome, Lisa, because I'm trying to reduce the fact that I'm a senior citizen and trying oh, to sound stop. Will you stop? <laughs> Dr. Jeff, in terms in terms of the in terms of the, the social media pressure, because that's another thing too. It's like it's it's not like people used to just have you know, their immediate circle, their family, whatever, whoever was involved in their daily lives. It's like 
you're on it and then you expose yourself to all of this, you know, whatever, all kinds of criticism. Like Mary was talking about the moms. Remember the mom that had the six pack and the two piece and she was all over like, if you don't look like this after giving your birth to your baby, you know, after two weeks, you're lazy and all the shaming and all that kind of stuff that went on. What, what about social media with the men? Well, uh, I think we see the same thing uh, with the men, shaming of men, what men are supposed to look like. They're supposed to have their six packs, too. You know, they're supposed to be, you know, you know, a certain size and have all these muscles and so on. That's a real man, a man's man. And so I think we have to be really careful with our children, male and female, uh, being uh, or in between. Uh, certainly, you know, with the with with the spectrum of sexuality, especially uh, with our LGBTQ plus uh, children, we don't need for them to be shamed. We need to support them as much as possible. So it's really important that when they go on social media, that we listen to what it is that they're watching. I have to share with you my uh, sick. She's now seven years old. Um, you know, she watches all of this very mature stuff that are teaching supposedly life lessons. But there are a couple of things that I heard where I said, OK, you're going to have to turn it off. You're going to have to go someplace else because the lessons she is not quite ready for that. So right. we really need to be aware that social media may be in some respect, not always um, exposing them to things that may warp or exacerbate. Uh, certain issues or vulnerabilities they may have, especially around body images, especially around uh, sexuality. What about the whole issue, like the the bullying issue is a big, it just seems like there's a, a climate of meanness that is out there that a level of mean, just being mean, period, that is social, I don't want to say socially acceptable, but that's just common now that you would have been like, wait a minute, how can they, why are they talking to that store clerk like that? The person's just trying to work and, you know, handle all these customers or why are they being rude to that person or, you know, all of, all of that type of thing. Mary, what about the bullying aspect? Because that's something, especially for kids is like, and women too, like that mental health just really eats away at your self-esteem. For sure. And I think that like we briefly touched upon before, I feel like these days in particular, everyone's patience is just <laughs> kind of run out. Um, but I do feel like cyberbullying is definitely a, a major issue now. Um, I think people are way more brazen when they're not having to face someone in person. So they'll say and do things that they wouldn't do if there was going to be a repercussion. Um, you know, I mean, listen, no condoning physical violence, but I do think when you're behind a computer screen, there's no possibility of that. So you're going to be a little bit more empowered to say, you know, rude things and aggressive things. So, yeah, I mean, and that's it's and then it spills into school with these kids. Right. Like it, it'll start online and then it goes into uh, the school environment. And honestly, I think that we're all including school administration learning uh, the rule book, you know, as we're going here. And so I don't think that the administration in, in many cases are properly equipped to really deal with these situations. Right. And that's and that's become a big issue. In fact, uh, for New York State, they were trying to pass a bill where they're they're required to have a counselor and a you know somebody that's qualified in some type of therapy on the school premises to deal with these things because it's not just a thing like go to the principal's office. But let me bring it back to the men. Lorenzo, in terms of terms of the things that you're hearing, because you travel extensively also too around the country, what kinds of issues are are you hearing about that the that the men are having? You know, I think it just 
totally depends on you know geographic region, right? You know, we we recognize that you know um, you know in the South has deep poverty, right? We also recognize that that we all have similar challenges in our communities in regards to policy and how they may affect people economically and housing, and the list kind of goes on and on. What I recognize that's really at the core of this is that there's a brokenness connected to community. And what I mean by that is that um, people are not uh, sharing the same amount of love and unity. Um, And a part of this is just being very much disconnected. And I think, again, COVID-19 has really, um, you know, made us a little bit more further apart than what we were before. And so I I definitely see uh, a lot of aggression. Um, We're also just seeing a a lot of, um, I think, people being able to just being misunderstanding each other, which in accounts sometimes turn into, you know, violence and community violence and and, and can become a public safety issue. And so we we recognize that, but we have to get down deeper to the core that a lot of this is trust and bonding. And and a lot of it obviously is a long-term generational effect of just, um, just being misunderstandings in general. Exactly. And when we come back, I'm going to ask our panel, each one of them, is it always the right thing to do to turn the other cheek? And what about what we were taught as kids? Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can never harm you. Doesn't seem to be the case these days. We'll find out what the panel has to say when we come back. Yo, what up, people? This is Common, and this is the Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 9-7 people, baby. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. We're talking about mental health and you. Joining me for this conversation, Dr. Jeff Gardier. He's a clinical psychologist and professor at Touro College of Osteopathic Medicine. Dr. Jeff, great to have you with us. Great to be with you. Thank you. Also with us is Mary Almonte. She is the founder and president of Young Urban Moms. And also they're doing it. You do got you guys do a podcast too, right? Mary? He do, yeah. Oh, yeah. Under okay. the same name. <laughs> All right. Younger of a mom. Check it out. Um, she's also a mother of two. Mary, great to have you with us. Great to be here. Thank you so much. And also with us is Lorenzo Lewis. He is the founder of the Confess Project, bringing mental health support to thousands of men around the country through barbershops and a whole community approach. It's kind of the old school, but now it's kind of new school because we're, we're getting back to that. Dr. Jeff, turning the other cheek, you know that we're, we're told we're told to be mentally healthy. You need to express yourself. Don't suppress your feelings. If somebody insults you, do you turn the other cheek and walk away? Is that harmful or is that the right thing to do? Well, I think uh, there may be some people who disagree with me. I think it's uh, always the right thing to do. Um, Unless you're in a situation of where you're in physical danger or someone that you love uh, or it's self-defense, there, for me, there is no reason that you can't own a situation that has been brought you know, against you. That old saying, he who angers you owns you, is very true. So being able to turn the other cheek is not just about a kumbaya moment. That in itself, it's a, it's a good thing. Uh, but more than anything else, it's having the social and emotional IQ to de-escalate a situation have conflict resolution and possibly walk out of a situation with an individual who perhaps may be um, somewhat emotionally disturbed, may have some anger issues, and actually being able to assist that individual to find a more genuine self. We're all brothers and sisters in this world, and that's why it is important that we be there for one another, and, I, and, and I'll, I'll stop in a second by just saying, I've run into many issues 
Because as a psychologist, I've been able to analyze, well, this person is really angry, but that anger is not for me. There's something going on with this person. That it has nothing to do with the person who's being targeted with it, right. Exactly, you know, so, you know, uh, let, let me give a kind word. Let me ask a question. Let me be quiet. Let me let them express themselves. Let me not challenge them because that's not going to uh, amount to anything other than violence. And then inevitably, I'm able, or we are able, once we do that, to get that person to talk. Sometimes but what about, you but, but let me ask you, but, but what about cumulative things? Like Lorenzo, for example, uh, African-American men, men of color, the daily microaggressions, some of the things that, you know, and, and a lot of men of color have been told, don't, you know, from my experience, have been told, don't talk about it, just keep, you know, keep focused on your end goal, don't get caught up with it. But at a certain point, after a certain number of humiliations, a certain number of times of being pulled over, a certain number of times of being put in the back of the restaurant, a certain number of times of people, you know, seeing where you're getting short change for no reason, except the person doesn't like the color of your skin, doesn't that build up? And then you get that one thing that somebody says, wait a minute, how do you, how do you talk about dealing with that? How do you tell, how, how do you tell the men to deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it is for us is just um, continually to um, really analyze the fact that uh, we all have a voice. Uh, we all have an ability to express ourselves. I believe that that's a learned behavior around how we uh, are brought up. So perfect example, when I was a young person, um, I remember having to be stoic, you know, uh, to when I was, you know, if I felt in danger to fight, you know, and so we also have to know that we have to grow as a young person to become an, an adult. And at a certain point, as Dr. Um, Gadir spoke about our social and emotional IQ, we have to understand conflict resolution and what that looks like. So a lot of this for us is really teaching um, what we call housekeeping rules, just around how to conduct ourselves in times of humiliation and anger and what are the other options. Um, and so I believe that when we have those conversations with our barbers, it does click. It does make a lot of sense. And I think for them to see other men um, like myself and others that are on our team to speak about this, that they can put themselves in the same position and say, well, I can get it done as well. So, Right. So it doesn't have to be the way that it would play out in the streets. It's it's like yeah. you could, you're a man. You can be a man and, you know, be, be respected for your manhood by handling things a certain way, a calm way. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> And Mary, what about, I mean, for women, we, we talk about verbal harassment and physical harassment and th- shouting and like all the things that we go through, you know, that men go through. It's like, that's the same thing. At a certain point, you're just kind of like putting on the hoodie, just putting on, you put on the, big, the big coat and that's it, you know? Well, I have to say, I always learn so much as being a panel on this show and I have to use he who angers you owns you. <laughs> I'm stealing that, Dr. Jeff. Yes, um, but, too, but yeah, I mean. Right. But I feel like um, as a woman and particularly as a woman of color, this gets really tricky because when you do stand up for yourself, even in a nonviolent way, if you're passionate, um, it can come across as you becoming labeled as an angry black woman. Right. Like especially when you're in, you know, places of employment or professional settings. So it's really been a challenge for me to be able to express myself firmly um, and oftentimes, even like, say, you know, not to go down the meet road, but in situations where, say, there's an unwelcome advance, it's like you have to conduct yourself firmly. But then that gets kind of, you know, spun in a, in a negative way and in a way where it makes the other person the victim and you're the aggressor. 
So it is really tricky. Um, and, you know, I also have to say as a parent, I always do try to steer my kids to, you know, handle things in a calm fashion and get authorities involved. However, if they aren't physically hit ever, they are instructed to hit back. And that's, I guess I'm old school. That's what that's I was Self-defense. I mean, I, I yes. think there's some point that's self-defense. And also, yes, but I'm working on being working on always leading like, with kindness, <laughs> like Dr. Jeff said. <laughs> well, you know what? I have to tell you that I, I've uh, put my two youngest children in karate. Uh, and yes. the, no, I'm not going to and I'm not going to say the, the the James Brown. I may not know karate, but I know. But karate. I know crazy. Oh, I did say it. However, the point is that um, it's not for them. I want them to achieve their black belts. But for me, it's about the philosophy for me, it really is about the self-esteem and the self-discipline to learn how de to defuse situations yes. without using aggression um, and to have the confidence to be able to walk away from a fight. Now, if they have to defend themselves, that is the last resort and they will defend themselves. But putting them in karate, as you know, as I know, you know, I totally I think I think for girls, it's a great our, our motto was uh but Sensei Chakazulu is a, a karate cause gentle in life and ferocious in combat. But just knowing Absolutely. as a woman and, and also, too, I think it helps women, women, too, because you're in these different situations where I've been in many, many situations uh, professionally, career wise, community wise, where I'm the only woman. But I felt very comfortable and able to participate fully because I knew that if things got out of hand, you know, at least I would, at least I knew enough to get out of there. I, you know, I could, could get out of there. Absolutely. Because predators can smell fear, right? Predators can analyze fear. So when we teach people how to deescalate situations with confidence, if they go into martial arts, they gain that confidence. We teach them the, you know, oratorial skills to have that confidence, then they can actually own that situation and not allow um, violence to happen. All right, when we come back, we're gonna find out what our panel has to say. A couple of buzzwords we've been hearing in connection with mental health, boundaries, how you don't look like the person that's out of control and you know boundaries and also actually having a sense of control in situations where you basically don't really have control, how to deal with that when we come back. What's up y'all, this is Rick Gonzalez and you're listening to Street Soldiers, the good, the bad, the truth. Locked in. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. We're talking about mental health in you with Dr. Jeff Gardier. He's a clinical psychologist and professor at Turo College of Osteopathic Medicine. Dr. Jeff, great to have you with us. Great to be with you as always. Thank you so much. Also with us is Mary Almonte. She's the founder and president of the group, The Young Urban Moms. It's also a podcast of the same name, and she's also a mother of two. Mary, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Lorenzo Lewis. He's the founder of the Confess Project. They're bringing mental health support to thousands of men in barbershops all around the country. Lorenzo, thank you so much for being with us. Absolutely. No, thank you so much. Thank you. Lorenzo, how do you, in, in the course of these conversations and the training that the barbers go through and what you tell them about boundaries, like what are the boundaries? Because, you know, were the concerns that, you know, the guy's there just to get a, you know, to get a shape up and he's being asked about, well, do you want this? Do you want that help or whatever? Like, what about boundaries? Yeah. Uh, so a part of our core training areas, you know, we touch on active listening, validation, stigma reduction and communication. So I really want to take a step in forward into communication. And that's where we really are able to just um, analyze more like, hey, communicating communicating 
is very vital um, in everything that we do. And I believe um, a lot of our people and men and communities, uh, we just haven't been taught effective ways to communicate our needs and what does that look like and how we want to be treated and how we need to show up. And how do we expect for others to treat us when we show up? And so when we are, so a lot of this is very hygienic, um, what we're doing with our barbers. And I believe it's very essential. Um, and again, I think that is, um, you know, there's so much happening when you're a young person and, you know, having, you know be sent to school and do this and, and family and, and life. And so I think some of these hygienic components around communication can fail. And when it does, I think we have to address that through, this training. And so um, I believe we just have to amplify that further and to see how that can really um, become a robust opportunity for them to communicate about their boundaries and their needs. And, that, and that's that's the number one first, first step. Dr. Jeff, in terms of the men in mental health, because we've seen with very high profile celebrities, we've seen this with political leaders as well. Is this a tough time for men? Because Men were, you know, the old model was you're strong, you're silent, you're the provider, you're the defender, all of these types of things. And now it's okay to cry. It's okay, you know, suppose, you know, in terms of society and all this type of thing. Is it a confusing time for men? I think it is somewhat confusing where we're telling men, um, you know, for, for the longest time uh, when you were stoic, right, Lorenzo? Uh, when, you know, you really, you know, held things together, that was a sign of being uh, very healthy, uh, putting up those sorts of boundaries. And now we're saying, hey, listen, not only do we want you to be able to respect boundaries, but we want you to be able to, um, in many ways, define what the boundaries are. And the boundaries can be moved around in order to allow for healthier relationships. So that can be sort of confusing for people to say, yes, you should be really strong, but yes, you should also be able to cry and show you know, a side of you that is really about sensitivity. But I think like we're seeing with everything else, it's about relearning uh, and reimagining who we are uh, within this uh, continuum of, you know, gender identity, you know, uh, attractionality, and certainly what that sense of self is. And so I think it is uh, an important time to begin breaking down that toxic masculinity so that people understand, and it's very difficult for men because, you know, they feel that it may be an assault on their values, right. but to show them that there is a better way to be able to connect with other people and still understand, recognize, and set boundaries. And learning when when it's appropriate and with whom to express it and, and how to express it as well. Mary, what about the men? What do, what do you see happening with men? Um, well, I feel like honestly, lately there has been, um, you know, an uptick in in men being more um, open to expressing themselves and, and kind of normalizing um, that. And I think just in general, people are now starting to understand what it is to set boundaries, right? I feel like also as mothers, I think we need to instill that at an early age, a lot of the core values that Lorenzo was speaking of um, how much easier would it be if, you know, young men and women were taught from childhood, like express yourself when you're feeling a certain way, it's okay to say it. And then this way, you know, all of your friends will know how to treat you and you know how to treat them. And I think that would kind of, 
um, you know, kind of deter altercations before they'd even happen. Right. No, so. the, communi- the communication is key. Dr. Jeff, I know you have to get going. You have another engagement, but the in terms of the Dr. Jeff prescription for mental health, what are some, can you leave us with some, some guidelines here as we move forward? Absolutely. I think it's very important that we be able to understand the things that affect us uh, in a negative way and to try to avoid those things, stop banging our head against the wall with regard to doing the same things that uh, cause us a lot of emotional distress, but also recognize the things that nourish us emotionally, spiritually, physically, uh, in a way that makes us stronger. And then I'll finally leave you all with this. I think it is so important that we connect with one another now more than anything else, because we are facing a mental health tsunami. We are in a culture shock after this pandemic, uh, after climate, you know, global warming and all of the things that are happening in the world. You know, the world is upside down. We have a lot of emotional imbalance. And so it is important that we be able to hold on to one another, use each other's anchors to be able to maintain our mental wellness. That's the most important thing uh, that we can possibly do. Lorenzo and Mary, in terms of setting boundaries with people, what are what are some ways you think really actually work? Yeah, uh, you know, some, just some very, I think, kind of key things that can be very helpful. Uh, I believe, again, it's just, you know, going back to communicate, uh, you know, how you're feeling um, and how they really can play into the relationship that you may be involved in, whether that's a colleague or uh, whether that's an intimate relationship or whether that's just someone in your family. Uh, I think that it's just so important to just uh, communicate your needs. Um, I also think that, um, you know, um, uh, what are you willing to tolerate? I think sometimes we have to have this really hard conversation about what we're willing to tolerate because our cup has to stay full at all times. And when that's not the case, that we can be in a very um, distressed uh, place in our life. And so I think just going out of those two areas, I think will really leave people in a much better place than they were. And um, hopefully I think that'll definitely get us on the right track. Those are great points, Mary, especially like for women with tolerating, because by our nature, I think a lot of us, we tolerate situations and then we tolerate it because of X, Y, and Z. And then when it starts to get intolerable, we get angry, but we really, who are we angry at? Are we angry at ourselves because we tolerated it for so long? You know, it, it, it goes like that. It does. And then we, you know, look like we came out of left field when we finally do address it. And so I always go by the mantra and I teach this to my kids as well. When you feel something, say something right. Like that buildup is what leads to, um, you know, first of all, prolonged negative feelings within yourself. And then you end up exploding and it can get ugly for those around you. So I do think that really the key is to be expressive at all times, right? Like the minute that something feels off, express it, of course, in a respectful way. But I think that, you know, this is like kind of further down that road of communication. It's important to communicate when you're feeling a certain way. No, absolutely. Lorenzo, what about in in terms of are there certain issues that, you know, that you see coming up as being like the top top couple of issues that are bothering men because, you know, in our society, so much of a man's worth is still how much he makes, you know, or what people think, what his status is in life or whatever. But are there, tell us about some of the issues, the top ones you see, you know, across the country. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot of it, uh, I think, first and foremost, is always imagery um, that's external. You know, how do we look? Uh, how do we feel that others think that we, you know, how do they perceive that? 
Um, also, our internal um, imagery as well as our internal emotions about how we feel about ourselves are always, um, it, and, and believe it or not, a lot of the men that we connect with, um, a lot of it is about confidence and, and how, you know, and a lot of it is also about childhood. Um, and, and really going back into childhood trauma would be very much amazed that probably majority of 80% of the barbers we connect with, there's childhood trauma that was present and why they now uh, may suffer from alcoholism or dealing with a part of domestic violence in their life, things that they may have saw, things that they may have dealt with, and this now reenacting it in their current lifestyle. And so we are really dealing with a lot of men that are discussing childhood trauma at large. And so I, I personally get a lot of calls from our barbers and the people we connect with. And then it also shows up in our trainings. And, and so I believe that, um, again, talking about hygienic opportunities, I think we're really, um, really glad that we're able to start somewhere for sure. No, and to give people and to give them, at least to give them like a release valve, you know, to let off, to, to, to just really get, you know, feel like they're not alone and in, in, into it. Marion, in, ter in terms of, in terms of the kids, there's, it seemed also too, there's, there's a lot of things that are happening with kids that the schools are not equipped to deal with because of various rules, various regulations, things that haven't changed with the times, policies that haven't changed with the times. What are you seeing with the moms? Well, I feel like a lot of moms are starting to take matters into their own hands because of what you just described, right? It's like the school day ends at X time and <laughs> that's kind of it. Whereas it, it feels like back in the day, schools were a lot more involved and felt more family-like. Now, at least in the public schools, it does feel like a very cold, hard kind of administrative environment where it's like we are you know, administering X, Y, Z, there's so many regulations. I mean, you know, just topics of discussion are even regulated, right? Like there's certain things that they're not allowed to discuss with their kids, certain things they're not allowed to say. Um, then as your kids get older, then there are things that kind of baffle you that they are allowed to do, uh, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, however, yeah, so basically I think a lot of parents, and maybe this is a good thing that's stemming from a bit of a bad situation, are feeling like they need to be more involved than before. Um, but right. at least that's promoting parental involvement, which is always good. But yeah, definitely not getting a lot of support from the school system. No, so. it, it needs to it needs to change. Um, Lorenzo, in terms of the men, the father, the fathers, the being a parent is is got to be a lot of uh, around a lot of those issues too, and, and the the whole family dynamic. Yeah, for sure. And I, I believe a lot of it is, um, you know, also um, a lot of men have, have struggled from father, um, uh, just gaps in fatherhood, not having their fathers uh, or maybe just um, complicated relationship with their fathers really also can play into their current relationship. But also the strength inside of what we do as well is really is able to help them recognize um, just thinking about mental health emotional well-being is really able to now go and really do some of that uh, rehabilitative work with families um, to really helping them strengthen their families. And that's a part of what we do is uh, really supporting families outside of young black men and boys between the ages of six and 35, because when they're in the best mental health space um, and they feel good and they're their best quality, then their families will be as well. And so we really encourage them to, to set the example and, and be that be that example. Wow, and then and then change that whole uh, generational dynamic of passing it, passing on something really positive instead of instead of some trauma. Yes, absolutely. And that that type of thing, Mary. In terms of uh, in, in terms of coping skills, 
what would you what would you recommend to other moms? Because a lot of them are going through what you're going through. There's a you're a beautiful woman, obviously. There's there's appearance pressure. Well, you are. There's um <laughs> there's appearance pressures. There's you know just, just that kind of like that whole judgy mom thing is like it, it, that just like such a heavy thing in itself. I mean, it's incredible. So what what advice what advice do you have for the moms watching? So one thing that Dr. Jeff had touched on before was kind of a key to mental health is identifying what really makes you happy, right? And I don't think enough people, especially moms, do that because a lot of times it requires time, right? Like right. if you're so busy doing things for your whole family and everyone else, you really don't have that time to decompress and really say like, this is, I enjoy doing this. This makes me happy. This is my happy space. So my advice is to really take that time to find what makes you happy and carve out that time to do it on as consistent a basis as you can. I know a lot of people found happiness in exercising. I'm not one of them, but but some people do. Or meditating even. Just having like 30 minutes to yourself to really do something that recenters you goes a long way. And I think the other thing that's really important is to recognize that social media is everybody's highlight reel. Nobody's showing you like their low moments. They're only showing the high. They're only showing you that picture when they look particularly cute that day. So if you kind of keep that in mind and keep, you know, take everything you're seeing on social media with a grain of salt and not compare your life to these highlight reels, then I think you can find happiness and balance. <laughs> like they like they say, if you compare, you despair. Yes, love, love that. that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Lorenzo, what uh, what advice what advice do you have for the men that are watching this and the women who love them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I believe a lot of it is just continue to um, challenge your inner self um, at all costs. I believe that, um, you know, and I, I think that we have to, uh, there's so much programming that happened when we were kids that is beyond our, uh, in some cases, it may be beyond our control um, and, and how it's played out into our daily lives. And so uh, continue to challenge um, our narratives and our beliefs um, into what make, again, may look like your positive happy place and and as as um um as Mary just stated and so I, I think that that's a start. I think secondary is um again finding finding something that you love to do but also um um uh, being able to um really show up for yourself. And I think that's that's really gonna be key. Um again we work with barbers. They see hundreds of people monthly, 20 right. to 30 people a week. Um they pour so, pour so much into other people where they will be left on empty. And so just encouraging people, um, just a barber's lifestyle is an everyday person's lifestyle. So continue to fill your cup up, um, continue to um, re-energize in the best way as possible. And I, I think that's that's going to be on the right track for sure. And get you going in the right direction and keep you going in the right direction. Absolutely. I want to thank our guests for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers, Dr. Jeff Gardier. Uh, Dr. Jeff, thank you so much for being with us. Mary Elmonte, great to have you with us again. Thank you so much. And also Lorenzo Lewis, thank you for being with us. First time on Street Soldiers. We hope to have you back again. Um, and, and thank you so much for, for the work that you're doing as well. And Mary, the work that you're doing as well with the, with the moms and, and, and with the women too. So, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.